0: Welcome to NTD News Today. Here are our top stories. A one-on-one face-off between former President Trump and Nikki Haley. With Trump coming off a great success in Iowa, can Haley put up enough of a challenge to stay in the race?
1: They came at midnight to be the first to cast votes in the New Hampshire primary, and others in the state want more action on the opioid epidemic. Hear their takes on the candidates.
0: How much did the Biden administration spend on programs for illegal immigrants last year? A government watchdog says over 10 billion dollars. Find out exactly what that money meant to, went towards.
1: Two business associates of Hunter Biden will testify before Congress this week. Find out how they're related to the Biden family business schemes.
0: The CIA is trying to persuade Russian agents to switch sides by posting a video on social media. We bring you clips from the agency's new appeal.
1: A World War II drama based on the courageous story of the U.S. 100th bomb group. Masters of the Air premieres in London.
2: This is NTD News Today. Live from our NTD Global Headquarters, here are Stefania Cox and Chris Beers.
0: And we're joined today by Kevin Hogan. Thank you so much for stepping in for Chris Beers, who's currently in New Hampshire.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and Chris is working hard.
0: That's right, yes, we'll see him later today. Now, to begin the show, at the final rally last night before today's New Hampshire primary, Former President Trump told NTD he's confident he'll win by big margins again, repeating his Iowa victory.
1: He also touted endorsements from a line of his former rivals who were campaigning with him as he set to face off against Nikki Haley. NTD's White House correspondent Iris Tao has more from New Hampshire.
3: Just hours before primary day here in New Hampshire, former President Trump telling NTD that he thinks he's going to win by big margins here. I think we're going to win by the same no, margin here. I think we're
4: going to win by big margins,
3: yeah. Forget
4: about uh, it. Well, to we to just go had go a lot of polls come to to in the last hour. Yeah. And you see what they are. They're very good.
3: Would you call Nikki Haley to drop out? I
4: know it is. Is there <laughs> That's up to
3: her. He also told me he has one key to unite the country. How would you bring unity to this country, President Trump? Oh, Trump? Success. going
4: to bring unity. Success.
3: Oh, oh, thank you. Everybody. Supporters waited in line in the cold for as long as six hours to try to get into this packed rally of Trump in Laconia, New Hampshire. I, I think it's a one-man race at this point, and it's Donald
5: Trump. And he's going to work hard to get things back to where they should be for America
3: and Trump showcasing a flood of endorsements he's gotten, including some by his former rivals, who joined him on the stage.
2: Vote Trump, and that's how we do this. We need Donald Trump. If you want four more years of Donald Trump, let me hear you scream!
3: In three different polls released on Monday, Trump's leading his only rival now, Nikki Haley, by double digits. But despite that, Trump is telling his supporters to still go out and vote.
4: Because we have to win by big margins. The reason is, in November, we have to send the signal that we're not playing games. This country has gone to hell.
3: And on Tuesday, Trump will be joining us at his watch party in Nashua, New Hampshire, from where we'll bring you live coverage throughout Tuesday night. Reporting from Laconia, New Hampshire, Aris and NTD News people in the town of Dixville Notch where
0: New Hampshire were the first to cast their ballots in the New Hampshire primary.
1: And today's Daniel Monahan has more on the midnight voters, a tradition that dates back to 1960.
6: The voting took just six minutes and all votes were unanimous for Republican candidate Nikki Haley. Four registered Republican voters and two independents participated in the vote. Midnight voter Valerie Maxwell thinks New Hampshire is going to surprise everybody with a win for Haley.
7: At least that's what I'm hoping, that I have a really good feeling. Um, she's a fighter and she's not giving up.
6: Voter Anne Marie Pintle Turcott says former President Donald Trump did a lot of great things for the country during his presidency.
3: But I also believe that um, Instead of making America great again, he made America hate again. I think he changed the social climate of our country.
6: Turcott worries that if Trump wins the Republican primary, those who don't like him will end up voting for Joe Biden. Voter Tom Tolliston says no one has won the presidency without winning their party's vote in Dixville.
7: That went out the window with Trump, um, as a lot of things have.
6: With drug overdose deaths in New Hampshire increasing in recent years, some residents want to hear more from the presidential candidates about how they'd help. Carrie Norton from the Hope on Haven Hill Treatment Center says she wants candidates to recognize that substance use disorder is a public health emergency, just like COVID was and should have the same type of supports.
3: And that it's a stigmatizing, discriminated disease and that they are not going to punish people that have substance use disorders.
6: Norton says substance abuse disorders are taking their toll on New Hampshire.
3: And in New Hampshire, we are losing, you know, more than a person a day, and we have been for many, many years.
6: Christina Amio feels candidates talk a big game every four years, but nothing much comes from it.
3: Something needs to change because this should be like one of the top priorities. Um, There's so many people dying. There's so many people struggling.
6: Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
3: And here with us
0: live to discuss the latest in the presidential primaries is retired Lieutenant Stephen Rogers, a former presidential campaign advisor and a former Republican New Jersey gubernatorial candidate. Lieutenant Rogers, welcome. Trump is telling his supporters not to get complacent because of his lead in the polls and to get out and vote. To what extent can a large lead in the polls cause voters to stay home thinking their candidates got it in the bag?
2: Well, it's very prudent uh, that he does that. To begin with, people may believe that it's in the bag and not come out and vote, and that's when you end up losing elections. Look, I've always believed that uh, there should be no early calls from the media with regard to these elections because it causes people to stay home. It's important that he did it, and I'm glad he did.
0: Now, how important do you think winning by a large margin, double digits, is to Trump and his campaign?
2: Well, look, if he goes well over 50%, and uh, Haley does not get within 10 points of him, that's game over. He's going to get the nomination, and it'll be time for her to bail out. And the Republican Party must, I absolutely can't overemphasize the word must, come together to ensure that President uh, Donald Trump gets reelected.
0: Now, Trump says that Haley isn't conservative enough to be the Republican nominee. Is that what? C- Is that consistent with what we've seen GOP voters look for? And is that relevant to the New Hampshire primary where there are a lot of independents?
2: Very relevant. Look, uh, I have not heard from her the aggressiveness, for example, uh, with regard to the border, law enforcement, our military. She's got a lot of talking points. It seems to me that she is uh, reading a script every time she gets up there and speaks. In contrast to Donald Trump, he's been there, he's done that, he's executed everything he said he would do, and well, you know, at the end of the day, the people are gonna think about that, look at it, and they're going to evaluate it, and no doubt they're gonna go for the America First candidate.
0: Now, do you think the Democratic Party not having delegates in the New Hampshire primary will work in Haley's favor? Might more independents choose to vote in the Republican primary to make their vote count this time?
2: Well, it's a good point. Uh, it's uh, remained to be seen how effective that may be. There are many, many uh, independents who are conservative, and they would certainly, I believe, go for uh, either Trump or Haley. But uh, we have to stay away from extremism on both sides. Both sides, we both have problems with extremists, and that may play a role, a factor in how many people come out and vote, uh, be it for Trump or Haley at this time.
0: Now, Lieutenant Rogers, you're going to be joining our own Steve Lance and Tiffany Meyer tonight on NTD's special coverage of the New Hampshire primary. What are you going to be on the lookout for tonight in the live or die state?
2: Well, America lives or America dies tonight. I really mean that. You know, that's the live or die state. Well, I say that because the entire world is going to be watching and waiting to see how many people in New Hampshire actually come out and vote. If they come out in massive numbers, that's an indication as to what's going to happen across this country. So it's all about the American people, always has been. And New Hampshire, I thank God they're having this primary. It'll be a good barometer for all of us to look at and measure as we move forward into November.
0: Lieutenant Stephen Rogers, former presidential campaign advisor, really appreciate your time.
2: Always a pleasure. Looking forward to tonight. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And former President Trump commenting on Governor Ron DeSantis having a role in the next Trump administration. He told Fox News that DeSantis hasn't asked for a role when clarifying if he'd include the Florida governor in his administration.
4: Everything's a possibility, but I think it's highly unlikely. I have a lot of great people, and I have great people that have been with me right from the beginning.
0: Trump added that he's honored that DeSantis backed him immediately after exiting the race. Trump says the governor fought hard and spent a lot of money, suggesting it's not easy to endorse a rival after such a loss.
1: The former president also highlighted policy similarities such as border security and low taxes. Trump says he believes DeSantis supporters will now rally behind him.
0: Many believe Trump would pick a woman as his 2024 running mate. Some speculated that Senate candidate Carrie Lake of Arizona might be Trump's pick.
1: However, Lake now says she's focused on winning the Senate seat. She recently explained that it's essential that Republicans have a majority in the Senate when Trump's in office. According to her, that's so Trump can pass his programs through Congress.
0: Congresswoman Elise Stefanik was in Manchester, New Hampshire on Saturday to support former President Trump in his presidential bid.
1: She said she'd be honored to be Trump's running mate. Of
3: course I'd be honored, I've said that for a year, to serve in a future Trump administration in any capacity. Right now we have so much work to do, which is why I'm getting on the phone calling voters in New Hampshire and thanking these supporters.
1: Stefanik represents New York's 21st district and is in her fifth term in office. She is a member of the House Armed Services Committee, the Committee on Education and the Workforce, and the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government.
0: The Harvard graduates' recent questioning of the presidents of MIT, Harvard, and the University of Pennsylvania attracted national attention. The university presidents failed to condemn calls for the genocide of Jews as being against campus rules on harassment. And a host of lawmakers threw their support behind Trump's re-election bid ahead of the New Hampshire primary. Among them are two lawmakers from Idaho. Senator Mike Crapo and Representative Mike Simpson Praised Trump's leadership, saying America was stronger under him compared to President Biden.
1: All four members of Idaho's congressional delegation have now endorsed Trump. Other lawmakers announced their support yesterday, including Representatives Laura Lee, Brett Guthrie, and Nancy Mace. Trump has picked up a total of 30 endorsements from senators.
0: With the GOP race now down to two, former President Trump continues to hold a wide lead in New Hampshire polls.
1: The frontrunner is coming off a 30-point win in Iowa's caucuses last week. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on voter sentiment going into tonight's contest.
8: A Washington Post-Monmouth University poll released Monday has former President Trump leading by 52% in New Hampshire and Nikki Haley at 34%. Haley is hoping to win over the Independent, and unaffiliated, who've made up as much as 45% of the state's voters in past primaries. Haley had 48% of this group, passing Trump by 10 points. But Trump had a 42-point lead when it came to registered Republicans, coming in with 64%. More Trump supporters than Haley's were extremely motivated to vote. Trump's biggest advantages came in economy, immigration, and foreign policy. The latest CNN poll has Trump with 50% support among likely GOP voters, with Haley at 39%. Both polls were conducted last week after Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out to endorse Trump, and before Florida Governor Ron DeSantis followed suit. DeSantis supporters in both polls were twice as likely to name Trump as their second pick. If Haley manages to win in New Hampshire, she still faces a national electorate that seems set to renominate Trump. The latest CBS News YouGov national poll has Trump at 69% to Haley's 12. No Republican has ever won the party nomination without winning either Iowa or New Hampshire. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: And make sure you don't miss our special coverage of the New Hampshire primary coming up tonight.
1: Join NTD's Steve Lance and Tiffany Meyer for another exciting election night on The Nation Decides 2024.
0: We have exclusive on-the-ground access and special guests Watch the action live tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time.
1: New Hampshire's largest newspaper is now endorsing Congressman Dean Phillips over President Biden. The paper labels Phillips as the reasonable alternative to the president.
0: The union leader's editorial published yesterday urges Democratic voters
1: to consider Phillips. The newspaper pitched Phillips as similar to President Biden with respect to policy, but younger. The paper also endorsed Nikki Haley over former President Trump.
0: The article highlights similarities between Phillips and Haley. It points out that they share the same concerns regarding term limits, national de- deficits, and debt. And former presidential candidate Andrew Yang suggests President Biden can't beat Trump in the general election. Yang told the Epic Times on Monday that Congressman Phillips represents the best chance to defeat Trump.
1: Yang endorsed the long-shot candidate last week. He has since been campaigning alongside Phillips, who's a three-term congressman from Minnesota. Phillips hopes to boost his numbers
0: by appealing to New Hampshire's sizable population of independent voters. North Dakota Republican Governor Doug Burgum announced Monday he will not seek a third term in office. His recent endorsement of former President Trump and Trump's praise for the governor have fueled speculation about Burgum serving in a possible second Trump administration.
7: Well, all of that's uh, hypothetical at this point in time, because uh, President Trump would have to win the nomination, and he'd have to win a tough election in the fall. Uh, And then, of course, that's all up to the president. The president gets to decide uh, on who is his running mate and who is his Cabinet team. And I'm sure that he'll pick an excellent Cabinet and an excellent running mate at the time of his choosing.
0: Bergen's decision creates an open race for the governor's seat in the Republican dominant state. Brigham is a wealthy software entrepreneur who won an upset victory in the 2016 GOP primary.
1: He went on to win his first term and re-election in 2020 by overwhelming margins. His term ends in December. He told reporters that part of his decision not to run is because of family.
0: Coming up, Trump's defamation trial delayed until Wednesday with the former president allowed to take the stand. And Trump will appear on another state's primary ballot after a legal challenge was rejected.
1: The wettest January day on record in San Diego brings widespread flooding to the city and a state of emergency. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. It's good to have you back with us. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis faced two significant setbacks yesterday. The Georgia Senate appears ready to approve a committee to investigate corruption allegations against Willis, as reported by Breitbart. She's accused of misconduct during her prosecution of former President Donald Trump, and a Superior Court judge in Georgia unsealed the divorce case of Nathan Wade. Wade is the Fulton County Special Prosecutor handling the 2020 alleged election interference case against Trump under Willis. Allegations arose about a romantic relationship between Willis and Wade, who reportedly benefited from taxpayer funds allocated by Willis's office.
0: Wade was paid over $650,000 in legal fees from January 2022 to December 2023, according to court documents. Details from Wade's divorce case revealed he bought airline tickets for himself and Willis for trips to San Francisco, Miami, and Aruba. And in related news, a, George, a Georgia judge has agreed to put Fani Willis's testimony on hold in Nathan Wade's divorce proceedings. Wade's estranged wife published the judge to push the judge to order testimony, saying Willis is trying to hide under the shield of her position.
1: Willis has suggested the divorce case is being used to harass her, damage her reputation, and obstruct a criminal prosecution, referring to the case against Trump. The judge says Wade must be questioned first, then he will decide if Willis will be deposed. Meanwhile, Trump's defamation case with E. Jane Carroll has been postponed until tomorrow. The court didn't give a reason for skipping a day, but Trump's lawyers had asked for his testimony to be delayed until Wednesday after the New Hampshire primary. A juror was also sent home yesterday over COVID concerns.
0: And in Massachusetts, the State Ballot Law Commission dismissed a challenge against Trump's candidacy yesterday. The panel rejected the case on procedural grounds. It said the, com- the commission does not have jurisdiction to address the matter. And the Biden administration got the green light yesterday to remove razor wire fencing that Texas installed along the southern border to stop illegal immigration.
1: The Justice Department has argued the barrier impedes the U.S. government's ability to patrol the border and coming to the aid of migrants in need of help. And today's Daniel Monahan has more on the Supreme Court ruling.
6: The High Court agreed Monday to temporarily let U.S. Border Patrol agents cut or remove the razor wire fencing. In a 5-4 decision, the justices granted a request by President Biden's administration to pause a federal appeals court ruling. The appeals court last month ordered the Border Patrol agents to stop removing razor wire along a small stretch of the Rio Grande while court proceedings continue. The Justice Department asked the Supreme Court justices earlier this month to step in on an emergency basis to wipe away that order which they did on Monday. Two conservative members of the court, Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Amy Coney Barrett joined the three liberal justices in the majority Conservative Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh dissented. Texas put up around 30 miles of the wire along the southern border near Eagle Pass, Texas. Migrants can be seen here talking with Texas officials through the razor wire. Texas Governor Greg Abbott discussed the state's attempts to protect its border, speaking on Fox News, calling the waves of illegal immigration an invasion.
9: By people, we don't know who they are, where they're coming from, or the danger they may pose.
6: Abbott says Texas cracking down on illegal crossings was the right move. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell addressed border security on Monday, calling it a matter of basic sovereignty.
2: America's national security begins with securing and maintaining our borders.
6: The fencing at issue in the dispute was installed on private property along the Rio Grande River by the Texas National Guard as part of what was called Operation Lone Star. The operation was launched by Governor Greg Abbott in 2021 to deter illegal border crossings. President Biden last week said he's looking for, quote, massive changes regarding U.S. immigration rules. Because I believe we need significant policy changes at the border. Republicans have sharply criticized Biden's immigration policies and the flow of illegal entries across the border with Mexico, an issue certain to heat up ahead of November's presidential election. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: More than $10 billion in 2023. That's how much the Biden administration spent on aiding illegal immigrants, according to a government watchdog.
0: The new report came from nonprofit, openthebooks.org. They obtained the data from a Freedom of Information Act request.
1: Data shows that spending on the Office of Refugee Resettlement reached $10.9 billion last year. It was up by $2 billion compared to the year before.
0: Most of the spending explosion came from grants under the agency's Refugee and Entrance Assistance Program. This figure jumped from $33 million in 2021 to $616 million last year.
1: The program provides services such as emergency housing assistance, work authorizations, public assistance benefits, medical screening, school enrollment, employment and mental health referrals and legal assistance.
0: Mexican authorities are finding more and more U.S. military-grade weapons in the hands of drug cartels, and the Mexican government wants an urgent investigation into it.
1: Mexico's army is finding belt-fed machine guns, rocket launchers, and grenades that are not sold for civilian use in the United States.
0: This poses a special challenge for Mexican authorities. The Mexican army and Marines still have superior firepower, but the drug cartel's weaponry often now outclasses other branches of Mexican law enforcement.
8: There is one very important thing, and that is that the Defense Department has warned the United States about weapons entering Mexico that are for the exclusive use of the U.S. Army. It is very urgent that an investigation into this be carried out.
0: Hunter Biden's business associates will be testifying before members of Congress later this week. It's part of the House impeachment inquiry into President Biden. On Thursday, Mervyn Yan will testify behind closed doors before the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. He worked with Hunter Biden through Chinese energy companies CEFC and Hudson West 3. And on Friday, Rob Walker will testify behind closed doors before both committees. Walker is known for working on a joint venture called Sinohawk Holdings. This was meant to partner up with CEFC. Both interviews will be transcribed. Yen and Walker's depositions come before Hunter Biden's own closed-door testimony, scheduled for February 28th.
1: Heading out west, flash floods swamped streets and homes in San Diego yesterday after more than a month's worth of rain fell in just a few hours. The National Weather Service said Monday it was the wettest January day on record in San Diego. Mayor Todd Gloria declared a state of emergency.
0: Video shows various vehicles swept away by floodwaters and streams overflowing, causing road closures. Several schools were closed as a precautionary measure.
1: The flooding affected about 100 homes. The naval base in San Diego was also flooded. Staff were instructed to take shelter in place.
0: The storm was caused by an atmospheric river, a phenomenon that brings significant rainfall. It brought San Diego's total season-to-date precipitation to almost 5 inches, which is slightly above normal. And coming up, global investors in China are heading for the exits in the world's second-biggest economy and sending its stock market crashing. NTD's Don Ma brings us the details.
1: Western nations continue attacking Houthi terrorists in Yemen. UK officials today explained why they're going to continue the fight. We'll have those details soon for you in a moment.
0: Joining us now is NTD Business host Don Ma to discuss the Chinese stock
1: market meltdown. Stocks in China and Hong Kong have slumped to multi-year
5: lows this week. Don, tell us what happened. right so first thing is how well the stock market does it has close correlation to how its economy is doing so what we've seen in recent months uh, when it comes to the Chinese economy is that uh, we've seen a real estate crisis we've seen uh, slowdown that is uh, the most in decades in, in China's GDP growth. And we've seen uh, a, a crackdown on some businesses. Uh, these are all things combined to you know undermine investor confidence when it comes to the stock market. And as confidence evaporates, it seems like many investors are giving up for the wait for China to actually fix its economy. And stock markets in Hong Kong and Shanghai tumbled on Monday. The Shanghai indexed. Fell to its worst day uh, since April 2022. And uh, global investors in China are heading for the exits, and that's sending its stock market crashing. Uh, So, you know, I I just got to mention China just a few years ago, you know, it was a must have country in your global portfolios. So, this I would say is marking a dramatic contrast and there's a hurt effect in play here as well i think because if you see other people selling uh, you don't want to be the only person left so you follow along as well potentially making the situation worse uh, so this week's sell-off is essentially a combination of months of frustration over the direction of the chinese economy
0: and don how do investors feel about this
5: Right. So investors who had hoped that Beijing would come to the rescue of the stock market uh, is having second thoughts potentially right now. Uh, Chinese state media reported that Beijing will take more forceful and uh, effective measures to support market confidence. Uh, But investors are saying that uh, they're just kind of throwing waters on the fire, uh, the Chinese state, that is, instead of doing something bigger, which is needed. So in, in a nutshell, a number of Chinese uh, investors, or China invest- investors rather, are losing confidence. They're not uh, feeling good about China as a whole. Uh, maybe there's some individual companies that investors are still uh, positive about, but as a whole, uh, that's the feeling. And they want Beijing to do more, but officials are not really doing that. Uh, fundamentals in China has not been uh, strong enough, and the market's finally waking up to the fact that Beijing uh, is managing the economy for the long run and is not really focused on short-term market movements, and that's making some investors uh, and their confidence disappear. And, and another thing that I think investors uh, should keep in mind, in my opinion, that uh, CCP policies uh, are not in the betterment of the economy and capital markets. Um, there to benefit their own party, and anyone who's investing in China, I think, should keep that in mind as well.
1: Well, yeah, we saw that with Evergrande, how the CCP was just encouraging them to just keep building, keep building, even though the demand wasn't there, and then they had that risk going under. And it was that CNN's reporting that there's these piecemeal policies going on in China, and that's just not actually giving enough robust economic recovery and that's what goldman sachs says is
5: just not enough but do you have an update on netflix for us Don? yeah a bit of uh, news there uh, netflix is betting big on live tv shows it's taking a dive with a five billion dollar deal for the exclusive rights to wwe's raw and this 10-year partnership will put raw on the streaming platform in the united states canada uk and latin america among uh, other territories starting in 2025. so the Raw deal marks Netflix's first long-term bet on live events. Raw is the top show on the Comcast-owned network, a USA Network. It brings in 17.5 million unique viewers over the course of the year. And the deal with Comcast ends in 2024. Quick one there.
0: All right, great. Thank you so much, Don. Thank you. And next up, British farmers are calling on members of Parliament to toughen regulations. They want protection from what they call unfair treatment by supermarkets.
1: Nearly half of farmers say it's likely they will go out of business within the next 12 months. Many blame supermarkets for threatening their livelihoods. NTD's Malcolm Hudson sent us this report.
10: These 49 scarecrows behind me represent the 49% of farmers who say they are on the brink of leaving the farming industry. They stand in protest against the pricing practices of the six major supermarkets. Practices is just not paying farmers on time or buying less produce than they had previously agreed to buy. Following a successful petition for a debate in Parliament, the farmers are now calling on MPs for better regulations to ensure fairer practices. More than 110,000 people signed a petition pressing the government to overhaul the grocery supply code of practice. The farmer behind the campaign, Guy Singh Watson, said they hope there will be legislation to make the code fairer. You know, the supermarkets, if they agree to buy a certain quantity of produce, that they buy that produce, that they pay the price that they said they'd pay, and that they pay on time, because that's not what most farmers experience at the moment. He explained that when he supplied lettuces to supermarkets, they originally agreed a volume and how many they'd sell each week. On average, they sold about 70% of that, which meant that I had to massively overproduce, which meant there was a huge amount of wastage in the field. They agreed to pay 15 pence a lettuce at the time, uh, and two weeks into the season, they came to me and said they were going on promotion and I was going to get paid 6 pence you know, where I was clearly making a huge loss. And if you say, no, I'm not gonna supply, they'll have an absolute tantrum and you'll never supply them again. He said that since supermarkets make up 85% of the market for British farmers, if farmers can't sell to supermarkets, they are out of business. Another farmer, Ben Andrews, said legislation should be toughened up to ensure the supermarkets pay farmers on time. Some um, growers are waiting up to 120 days from delivering produce into stores before they get paid. Now, that produce has been in the ground growing for months before it's actually picked. You know, farmers have invested so much money they've paid for all that. To then wait another three months on top of that to get paid is, is like is just not sustainable. The government says 60% of all the food we need is produced in the UK. Gemma Lane, the campaign coordinator for Save British Farming, said we won't be able to rely on imports if there are farming problems abroad. A spokesperson for the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs said fruit and vegetable farmers are crucial to the resilience of our food system, saying, It is only right that British farmers and growers should be paid a fair price, and our review into the fairness of the supply chain will help address these concerns. And Green Party spokeswoman Emily O'Brien says she hopes the government gets the message and protects farmers.
3: So at the minute, farmers are sometimes getting as little as one pence in the pound for the food that they're producing. And farmers every day tell me that they are in danger of going out of business. So it's really important that we see that level of fairness put back in.
10: Malcolm Hudson, NTD News, London.
0: And staying in Europe, we have more short headlines from the UK and other countries. Britain's foreign minister today said the country will continue to break down Houthi military capabilities in Yemen. His remarks come just a day after the U.S. and U.K. carried out another round of strikes against the terrorist group.
1: The Houthis control the most populous parts of Yemen. They've claimed that their attacks against Red Sea shipping are in opposition to Israel's activity in Gaza.
11: What the Houthis are doing is unacceptable, it's illegal, and it's threatening the freedom of navigation. That's why we've taken the action. Alongside that action is a whole set of measures we'll be taking, including sanctions and other pressure to put on the Houthis, combined, of course, with the action the Royal Navy is taking with others in the Red Sea.
0: The CIA is trying to persuade Russian intelligence employees to switch sides.
1: It released a Russian language video on YouTube and Twitter aimed at recruiting double agents for Washington. The agency's director said in July that disaffection among some Russians over the war in Ukraine was creating a rare opportunity to recruit spies.
10: Однако скоро осознал, что России внутри неё самой. Верхушка продала страну за дворцы и яхты, в то время как наши солдаты жуют гнилую картошку.
0: Meanwhile, the war between Russia and Ukraine rages on. Ukrainian officials say Russia launched missile attacks across Ukraine today, including on the capital of Kiev.
1: The attacks reportedly killed at least five people and wounded dozens others. Officials also say that several buildings across the country were hit. Some of the damage occurred next to the United Nations office in Kyiv, according to a staff member there.
0: NATO today signing a billion-dollar contract for artillery rounds. This comes after complaints from Ukraine saying a shortage of ammunition was hampering its war efforts.
1: NATO struck the deal on behalf of several allies. Those individual countries will either pass on the shells to Ukraine or use them to stock up their own depleted inventories.
0: The contract will likely buy over 200,000 rounds of artillery ammunition. The first deliveries are expected at the end of 2025.
9: Russia's war in Ukraine has become a battle for ammunition. So it is important that allies refill their own stocks as we continue to support Ukraine.
0: And lastly, Turkey's parliament is expected to approve Sweden's NATO membership bid today. This would clear the biggest remaining hurdle to expanding the alliance after 20 months of delays. Once Turkey's parliament ratifies the move, the country's
1: president would be expected to sign it into law within days. This then leaves Hungary as the only member state not to have approved Sweden's accession. Hungary's prime minister today invited his Swedish counterpart to visit for negotiations.
0: Coming up, the elderly often feel lonely. Find out how artificial intelligence is providing some much-needed companionship.
1: And a World War II drama based on the courageous story of the U.S. 100th bomb group, Masters of the Air premieres in London. We'll have more shortly for you in a moment. Welcome back. Elderly people often live alone and can be vulnerable to loneliness, but robots could provide some company. Artificial intelligence allows the machines to have human-like conversations with their owners. today's Andrew Thomas has more on the AI companions.
12: Joyce Loazia lives alone, but when she returns to her suburban Fort Lauderdale senior community, a friendly female voice asks her about her day.
0: I don't think it's going to make you happy if you're not happy to start with.
12: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think it's interesting.
12: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's clever the way they did it.
12: A few miles away, the same voice comforted 83 year old Deanna Desern when her friend died.
3: I can say things to Q. that I won't even say to my grandchildren uh, or to my own daughters. I can just open the floodgates, I can cry. Um, I can giggle. I can act silly.
12: Intuition Robotics built the machine to address the loneliness and isolation that many seniors experience. LEQ is a tabletop device that uses artificial intelligence to interact with owners. The device remembers each user's interests and conversations.
3: I get a lot of smiles from her, which is what life is all about, and it makes getting older more bearable a lot more bearable.
12: The robot is being distributed throughout New York, Florida, Michigan, Nevada, and Washington State. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
1: According to a new study, treating loneliness and social isolation may lower health complications for people classified as obese. The study was published yesterday in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It highlights the major focus in preventing obesity-related illness and looked at data from nearly 400,000 people from a UK biomedical database. The study revealed all causes of death for people classified as obese was 36% lower in people who felt less lonely and socially isolated over time. Social isolation was the greatest risk factor for all causes of death, including cancer and depression. Experts suggest improving social isolation could be a remedy.
0: And in Sydney, Australia, tiny urban parks provide much-needed green space amid the busy city
1: life. They're called pocket parks, and the calm environment is designed to offer refuge and foster mental well-being.
0: NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on these small sanctuaries.
12: At first glance, these tiny parks seem out of place in Sydney's urban landscape. But the new spaces are changing the atmosphere on the city streets.
7: There's lots of things that you can't do on a footpath, like a playground or a more formal kind of hangout area. Um, So that's where these new pocket parks that can be inserted within an existing street by closing it to cars, essentially.
12: The city says there are approximately 400 parks of various sizes. Sometimes it can be hard for residents to find a space to relax, have fun, and socialize outdoors. Pocket parks offer a solution.
7: Essentially, the real value of pocket parks is that because they're small, they can be distributed um, across an area of the city to give a public space um, to much greater proximity to to many more people.
12: The tiny parks are usually less than a few hundred square feet. Most have shady trees, benches, and plants. Locals love them. Less traffic coming through here, more pedestrian uh, uh, room for, for people and uh especially the elderly you know that live around here and uh no it's serene. Pocket parks are easily accessible for residents. The Tudor Street Reserve Park is locally focused. Further down the main street is an even tinier space. It's all about keeping local communities in mind when constructing a park.
1: It is important to tailor those parks to context. It is important to respond to the community who live there. If you're building in a community where there's lots of young families, of course you're going to make that pocket park a playground. If you're building for an elderly community, you might make the space a bit quiet.
12: You don't have to be outside the city to enjoy the outdoors. Just walk around the block and you might be surprised. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And there was an air of
1: excitement at the
0: premiere of Masters of
1: the Air in London on Monday. Some of Hollywood's top young talent are part of the highly anticipated World War II TV series,
0: The Apple TV Plus show is based on historian Donald L. Miller's 2006 book of the same name. It follows the U.S. Army Air Force's 100th bomb group and their risky raids over Nazi Germany.
1: Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks produced the show. Its stellar ensemble cast includes actors Austin Butler, Callum Turner, Barry Keegan, Shuti Gatwa, and Ralph Law. Butler says Major Gail buck
0: Cleveland, who alongside his best friend Major John Bucky-Egan, leads the units of young men on their perilous missions.
8: It's, it's such a privilege and an honor, and, and uh, I felt a lot of responsibility bringing this to life. They're, they're the, the true heroes, um, and, and their bravery is second to none, so I, I felt very honored to get to bring those stories to life.
0: Apple has reportedly invested over $250 million into Masters of the Air.
1: The miniseries will have nine episodes. The first two episodes debut globally on January 26th. After that, new episodes will be released every Friday until March
0: 15th. And if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Welcome to NTD News Today. Here are today's top stories. They came at midnight to be the first to cast votes in the New Hampshire primary. And others in the state want more action on the opioid epidemic. Here are their takes on the candidates. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin made his first public appearance since his secret hospitalization. What he said during his virtual remarks.
1: How much did the Biden administration spend on programs for illegal immigrants last year? A government watchdog says over $10 billion. Find out exactly what that money went toward.
0: Chinese made CCTV cameras coming soon to buses in Queensland, Australia. Find out what the Queensland government is doing and why some are concerned.
1: Denmark is building the world's longest immersed tunnel. The project, which will connect the Scandinavian country to the European mainland, has now reached a critical stage. What's next?
2: This is NTD News Today, live from our NTD Global Headquarters. Here are Stefania Cox and Chris Beers.
0: and We're joined today by my friend and NTD co-host, Kevin Hogan. Thank you so much for standing in today for Chris. Great to be here. Great to have you. And of course, Chris is in New Hampshire reporting on the primaries, so we'll hear more about that later on. But to start off the show, people in the town of Dixville-Notch, New Hampshire, were the first to cast their ballots in the New Hampshire primary.
1: And today's Daniel Monahan has more on the midnight voters, a tradition that dates back to 1960.
6: The voting took just six minutes, and all votes were unanimous for Republican candidate Nikki Haley. Four registered Republican voters and two independents participated in the vote. Midnight voter Valerie Maxwell thinks New Hampshire is going to surprise everybody with a win for Haley.
7: At least that's what I'm hoping, but I have a really good feeling. Um, she's a fighter and she's not giving up.
6: Voter Anne-Marie Pintle Turcott says former President Donald Trump did a lot of great things for the country during his presidency.
3: But I also believe that um, instead of making America great again, he made America hate again. I think he changed the social climate of our country.
6: Turcott worries that if Trump wins the Republican primary, those who don't like him will end up voting for Joe Biden. Voter Tom Tolleston says no one has won the presidency without winning their party's vote in Dixville.
7: That went out the window with Trump, um, as a lot of things have.
6: With drug overdose deaths in New Hampshire increasing in recent years, some residents want to hear more from the presidential candidates about how they'd help. Carrie Norton from the Hope on Haven Hill Treatment Center says she wants candidates to recognize that substance use disorder is a public health emergency, just like COVID was, and should have the same type of supports.
3: And that it's a stigmatizing, discriminated disease, and that they are not going to punish people um, that have substance use disorders.
6: Norton says substance abuse disorders are taking their toll on New Hampshire.
3: And in New Hampshire, we are losing, you know, more than a person a day. And we have been for many, many years.
6: Christina Amio feels candidates talk a big game every four years, but nothing much comes from it.
3: Something needs to change because this should be like one of the top priorities. Um, There's so many people dying. There's so many people struggling.
6: Roby Farm Store in Piermont, New Hampshire has become a vital stop on the campaign trail. Presidential hopefuls from various parties engage with voters there. Farmer Mark Robey says Donald Trump's not his favorite person and that he's got issues with him.
13: But probably I would mostly align with him and and it, and it it has to do with like he seems to not cater or pander to the the military industrial complex so so much.
6: Robey discusses which candidate his farm animals would probably vote for.
13: I think if my animals could vote they would vote for me. Like and who, who would treat them better, you know? They're, they're, you know I, honestly, I'm the one who feeds them, right?
6: Most polling sites in New Hampshire close today at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: And former President Trump commenting on Governor Ron DeSantis having a role in the Trump administration, whether that might happen. He told Fox News that DeSantis hasn't asked for a role when clarifying if he'd include the Florida governor in his administration.
4: Everything's a possibility, but I think it's highly unlikely. I have a lot of great people, and I have great people that have been with me right from the beginning.
0: Trump added that he's honored that DeSantis backed him immediately after exiting the race. Trump says the governor fought hard and spent a lot of money, suggesting it's not easy to endorse a rival after such a loss.
1: The former president also highlighted policy similarities, such as border security and low taxes. Trump says he believes DeSantis supporters will now rally behind him.
0: Many believe Trump will pick a woman as his 2024 running mate. Some speculated that Senate candidate Carrie Lake of Arizona might be
1: Trump's pick. However, Lake now says she's focused on winning the Senate seat. She recently explained that it's ex- essential that Republicans have a majority in the Senate when Trump's in office. According to her, that's so Trump can pass his programs through Congress.
0: And here with us live to discuss the latest in the presidential primaries is Jason Meister, Republican strategist and formerly a Trump advisory board member. Jason, how do you interpret the early results from the New Hampshire primary, especially Nikki Haley's win in Dixville-Notch?
13: Sure, thanks for having me. Look, there was only six voters there in 2020. Uh, 2016, that was won by Ted Cruz. In uh, 2020, it was it was actually won Uh, by a Democrat, uh, Mike Bloomberg, by a write-in on the ballot. But, look, I think it's become abundantly clear that Republican voters want to re-elect Trump to the White House in 2024. Nikki Haley has no chance of success in New Hampshire or any other state for that matter. Uh, Her campaign is funded by Democrat donors. Her staffers are former Democrat lobbyists. And her campaign is strategically targeting Democrat voters to vote in the, in the New Hampshire primary. So I think the, the message this evening is gonna be loud and clear, just as it was coming out of Iowa, right, that President Trump is going to be our presidential nominee going to 2024.
0: And what factors do you think contribute to Trump's strong polling numbers?
13: Well, as it relates to Nikki Haley, President Trump's peace through strength presidency Uh, was a four year hiatus from our military industrial complex. He only used our military might uh, as a strategic uh, and surgical deterrent. He unleashed it with discretion and only as a last resort. To the contrary, Nikki Haley is a neocon globalist who caters to the uh, Democrat establishment donor class who would prefer having us fight endless wars all around the globe. So i think that it's a pretty stark contrast when you look at the peace through strength presence we had presidency that we had under president trump versus Nikki haley who wants to have endless wars all around the globe
0: now as a former trump advisory board member how do you assess the current state of the republican party as it rallies around trump at this point
13: sure i often say that uh president trump who is a real estate mogul from the private sector had one of his greatest uh, renovations was his renovation of the Republican Party. And you you can only see that today. That's why Nikki Haley is going to go extinct after New Hampshire. Look, Donald Trump destroyed the Clinton dynasty, the Bush giant dynasty, and the Cheney dynasty. Nikki Haley is a last gasping breath of those dynasties, that uniparty dynasty. And I think you're gonna see that play out over the next 13 hours and I don't believe that she's gonna stick around through South Carolina because she doesn't want to be embarrassed and get destroyed in her in her own state. So that's how I would kind of picture uh, the current state of affairs.
0: Okay, and lastly, looking ahead, what are the key factors or events that you believe will significantly influence the outcome of the election in uh, at the end of the year? And how do you think the results in New Hampshire could impact that?
13: Sure, <clears throat> I think that the lawfare that the Democrats are our, our pursuing on Donald Trump is absolutely backfiring in a magnificent way. I think it's extremely un-American. I think that moderate Democrats and independents in this country are watching what they're doing to this man because he put the American people first. And they're trying to destroy this man's life, bankrupt his businesses, imprison him for life so that he dies in prison for non-crimes. And I think when you saw yesterday the January 6th committee uh, was deleting 100 encrypted files I mean it's just endless corruption and i think donald trump has put a flashlight to that corruption and i think that the american people want to take to re-elect donald trump to go back and finish the job he started in 2016 and route out this corruption this deep rot in our government and i think that the lawfare over the next 11 months is going to backfire and help donald trump and rocket fuel his campaign to success
0: all right thank you so much jason meister a republican strategist and former member of the Trump advisory board member. Thank you so much. Thank you. And a host of lawmakers threw their support behind Trump's reelection bid ahead of the New Hampshire primary. Among them are two lawmakers from Idaho. Senator Mike Crapo and Representative Mike Simpson praised Trump's leadership, saying America was stronger under him compared to President Biden.
1: All four members of Idaho's congressional delegation have now endorsed Trump. Other lawmakers announced their support yesterday, including Representatives Laurel Lee, Brett Guthrie and Nancy Mace. Trump has picked up a total of 30 endorsements from senators.
0: In today's primary race, Haley will take on former President Trump in what might be her last shot at the Republican nomination for president.
1: The former South Carolina governor will look to Granite State voters to keep her in the race. Here's what we can expect in the New Hampshire matchup.
6: Nikki Haley has reasons to be hopeful going into the New Hampshire primary today. She has crept up in the polls, averaging at 36 percent, according to data from 538. Granite state Republican voters are generally more moderate than Iowa's, where Trump was able to win by large margins. Haley has said that she will focus on bringing centrists and independents to the table. New Hampshire allows voters who are not registered with either party to cast their votes. Haley will be looking at those roughly 400,000 unaffiliated voters keenly. According to the final CNN University of New Hampshire poll, she leads Trump among independent voters who plan to vote Republican and those who consider themselves moderate.
1: As you now have people who want to decide who's a good Republican, who's a bad Republican, who's a good person, who's a bad person. That's why our country is so divided. I don't judge people. I focus on policy that's going to make America
3: stronger.
6: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ended his campaign on Sunday and endorsed Trump. This left his share of potential voters up for grabs. Haley has also been endorsed by New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. However, Trump is still solidly in the lead. 538 data shows his polling averages have risen to around 52 percent. That's a double digit lead over Haley. A big victory for him in New Hampshire could mean that he'll effectively become the only Republican candidate still standing. He won New Hampshire in 2016, indicating that the state's Republicans have an appetite for his brand of conservatism.
4: And with your vote, four days from now, we're going to win another historic victory in the great state of New Hampshire, and then we're going to defeat Crooked Joe Biden, the worst president in the history of our country and we're going to make America great again.
6: New Hampshire gets 22 delegates in the Republican primary. This is less than 1% of the total delegates who will vote at the RNC this summer. However, the state has a track record of picking the Republican nominee. Only thrice in the last 70 years has the winner in New Hampshire not gone on to become the Republican nominee for president. A strong showing here could be decisive for Haley.
3: We have got New Hampshire, we have got South Carolina, we have got Super Tuesday. We're going to keep on going, and we're going to fight,
1: and we're going to win. I'm used to people underestimating me. It's always fun. But there were
5: 14 people in this race, and now there are two.
6: The next contest will be Nevada. But in an unusual move, the state will hold both a primary and a caucus, with Trump choosing to compete in the caucus and Haley choosing the primary. The two candidates will only have their next showdown in South Carolina at the end of February. Former Arkansas governor and presidential candidate Asa Hutchinson has endorsed Haley. He says that she needs to be committed going into the next few months if she wants to beat Trump.
13: Donald Trump's candidacy is going to weaken as we go forward with more and more court cases, a realization that the American public and the Republican Party can't win with him. He's lost three races. And now we're going to be saddled with his candidacy again if Nikki Haley's not successful.
6: If Haley does well in New Hampshire, a tighter race could be shaping up going into Super Tuesday on March
1: 5th. As the presidential nomination race moves into the next phase, some voters are sharing why they chose former President Trump.
8: Did
13: you ever consider some of the other candidates that were here? And no, no. And why not? Uh, I'm supporting. The president, 100%. How long ago
6: would you say you made that decision? How long ago?
9: Yeah,
6: yeah. Uh, When he was the nominee four years ago. How did you vote this time? Who do you feel strongly about?
3: Uh, Trump. I was interested in Nikki Haley as well. But uh, I'm going with the popular vote.
13: When did you rule out Nikki Haley?
3: Uh, Probably when it got down to two people.
13: I voted for Trump. And why did you vote for Trump?
11: Uh, because he's still a businessman. He's not a politician.
0: And make sure you don't miss our special coverage of the New Hampshire primary coming up tonight. Join NTD Steve Lance and Tiffany Meyer for another exciting election night on The Nation Decides 2024.
1: We have exclusive on-the-ground access and special guests. Watch the action live tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. New Hampshire's largest newspaper is now endorsing Congressman Dean Phillips over President Biden. The paper labels Phillips as the reasonable alternative to the president.
0: The union leader's editorial published yesterday urges Democratic voters to consider Phillips.
1: The newspaper pitched Phillips as similar to President Biden with respect to policy, but younger. The paper also endorsed Nikki Haley over former President Trump.
0: The article highlights similarities between Phillips and Haley. It points out that they share the same concerns regarding term limits, national deficits, and debt. And former presidential candidate Andrew Yang suggests President Biden can't beat Trump in the general election. Yang told The Epoch Times on Monday that Congressman Phillips represents the best chance to defeat Trump.
1: Yang endorsed the long-shot candidate last week. He has since been campaigning alongside Phillips, who's a three-term congressman from Minnesota.
0: Phillips hopes to boost his numbers by appealing to New Hampshire's sizable population of independent voters.
1: North Dakota Republican
0: Governor Doug Burgum announced Monday he will not seek a third term in office. His recent endorsement of former President Trump — and Trump's praise for the governor — have fueled speculation about Burgum serving in a possible second Trump administration.
7: Well, all of that's uh, hypothetical at this point in time because uh, President Trump would have to win the nomination and he'd have to win a tough election in the fall. uh, And then, of course, that's all up to the president. The president gets to decide uh, on who's his running mate and who's his cabinet team. And I'm sure that he'll pick an excellent cabinet and an excellent running mate at the time of his choosing.
0: Burgum's decision creates an open race for the governor's seat in the Republican-dominant state. Burgum is a wealthy software entrepreneur who won an upset victory in the 2016 GOP primary.
1: He went on to win his first term and re-election in 2020 by overwhelming margins. His term ends in December. He told reporters that part of his decision not to run is because of family.
0: Coming up, allegations of an improper relationship between Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis and a prosecutor is threatening to derail the Georgia criminal case against former President Trump. That's as Georgia state lawmakers gear up to investigate her for corruption.
1: Two business associates of Hunter Biden will testify before Congress this week. Find out how they're related to the Biden family's business schemes in just a moment here on NTD News Today.
0: Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin made his first appearance since being hospitalized. He attended a meeting on Ukraine's military needs virtually from his house today.
11: Putin continues to sacrifice staggering numbers of Russian troops in his rash and reckless war of choice to provide Ukraine with more life-saving ground-based air defense systems and interceptors.
0: The meeting comes as Congress continues to debate a national security supplemental aid package which would contain funding for
1: Ukraine. Austin has been working remotely from home after being released from the hospital on January 15th. Doctors say he is expected to make a full recovery. A number
0: of investigations have been launched into why the White House and lawmakers weren't notified about his hospitalization right away.
1: Austin has since said he takes full responsibility for the delay in the disclosure and is committed to doing better.
0: And the Biden administration got the green light yesterday to remove razor wire fencing that Texas installed along the southern border to stop illegal immigration.
1: The Justice Department has argued the barrier impedes the U.S. government's ability to patrol the border and coming to the aid of migrants in need of help. And today's Daniel Monahan has more on the Supreme Court's ruling.
6: The high court agreed Monday to temporarily let U.S. Border Patrol agents cut or remove the razor wire fencing. In a 5-4 decision, the justices granted a request by President Biden's administration to pause a federal appeals court ruling. The appeals court last month ordered the Border Patrol agents to stop removing razor wire along a small stretch of the Rio Grande while court proceedings continue. The Justice Department asked the Supreme Court justices earlier this month to step in on an emergency basis to wipe away that order, which they did on Monday. Two conservative members of the court, Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Amy Coney Barrett, joined the three liberal justices in the majority. Conservative Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh dissented. Texas put up around 30 miles of the wire along the southern border near Eagle Pass, Texas. Migrants can be seen here talking with Texas officials through the razor wire. Texas Governor Greg Abbott discussed the state's attempts to protect its border, speaking on Fox News, calling the waves of illegal immigration an invasion.
9: But people, we don't know who they are, where they're coming from, or the danger they may pose.
6: Abbott says Texas cracking down on illegal crossings was the right move. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell addressed border security on Monday, calling it a matter of basic sovereignty.
2: America's national security begins with securing and maintaining our borders.
6: The fencing at issue in the dispute was installed on private property along the Rio Grande River by the Texas National Guard as part of what was called Operation Lone Star. The operation was launched by Governor Greg Abbott in 2021 to deter illegal border crossings. President Biden last week said he's looking for, quote, massive changes regarding U.S. immigration rules. Because I believe we need significant policy changes at the border republicans have sharply criticized biden's immigration policies and the flow of illegal entries across the border with mexico an issue certain to heat up ahead of november's presidential election daniel monahan ntd news
1: more than 10 billion dollars in 2023 that's how much the biden administration spent on aiding illegal immigrants according to a government watchdog
0: the new report came from nonprofit OpenTheBooks.org. They obtained the data from a Freedom of Information Act request.
1: Data shows that spending on the Office of Refugee Resettlement reached $10.9 billion last year. It was up by $2 billion compared to the year before.
0: Most of the spending explosion came from grants under the agency's Refugee and Entrant Assistance Program. This figure jumped from $33 million in 2021 to $616 million last year.
1: The program provides services such as emergency housing assistance, work authorizations, public assistance benefits, medical screening, school enrollment, employment, and mental health referrals and legal assistance.
0: Mexican authorities are finding more and more U.S. military-grade weapons in the hands of drug court cartels, and the Mexican government wants an urgent investigation into it.
1: Mexico's army is finding belt-fed machine guns, rocket launchers, and grenades that are not sold for civilian use in the United States. This poses
0: a special challenge for Mexican authorities. The Mexican army and
1: Marines still have
0: superior firepower. But the drug cartel's weaponry often now outclasses other branches of Mexican law enforcement.
1: There is one very
8: important thing, and that is that the Defense Department has warned the United States about weapons entering Mexico that are for the exclusive use of the U.S. Army. It is very urgent that an investigation into this be carried out.
0: A U.S. appeals court has ruled that a $10 billion lawsuit against seven U.S. gun companies can go forward. Mexico filed the suit, alleging that they deliberately enabled firearms trafficking into the country.
1: A federal district court initially ruled that U.S. gun manufacturers were protected by the protection of lawful commerce in the Arms Act. The law shields gun manufacturers from damages resulting from the criminal or unlawful misuse of a firearm.
0: The appeals court ruled that Mexico's complaint could be statutorily exempt from the law. Mexico alleges that the gun companies' new weapons were being sold to traffickers.
1: U.S. gun rights advocates argue that drug cartels are responsible for the violence in Mexico, not firearms. The appeals court returned the case to the district court.
0: And Hunter Biden's business associates will be testifying before members of Congress later this week. It's part of the House impeachment inquiry into President Biden. On Thursday, Mervyn Yan will testify behind closed doors for the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. He worked with Hunter Biden through Chinese energy companies CEFC and Hudson West 3. And on Friday, Rob Walker will testify behind closed doors before both committees. Walker is known for working on a joint venture called Sinohawk Holdings. This was meant to partner up with CEFC. Both interviews will be transcribed. Yan and Walker's depositions come before Hunter Biden's own closed-door testimony scheduled for February
1: 28th. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis faced two significant setbacks yesterday. The Georgia Senate appears ready to approve a committee to investigate corruption allegations against Willis, as reported by Breitbart. She's accused of misconduct during her prosecution of former President Donald Trump and a Superior Court judge in Georgia unsealed the divorce case of Nathan Wade. Wade is the Fulton County Special Prosecutor handling the 2020 alleged election interference case against Trump under Willis. Allegations arose about a romantic relationship between Willis and Wade, who reportedly benefited from taxpayer funds allocated by Willis's office.
0: Wade was paid over $650,000 in legal fees from January 2022 to December 2023, according to court documents. Details from Wade's divorce case revealed he bought airline tickets for himself and Willis for trips to San Francisco, Miami and Aruba. And in related news, a Georgia judge has agreed to put Fani Willis' testimony on hold in Nathan Wade's divorce proceedings. Wade's estranged wife pushed the judge to order testimony, saying Willis is trying to hide under the shield of her
1: position. Willis has suggested the divorce case is being used to harass her, damage her reputation, and obstruct a criminal prosecution, referring to the case against Trump. The judge says Wade must be questioned first. Then he will decide if Willis will be deposed. Meanwhile, Trump's defamation case with E. Jean Carroll has been postponed until tomorrow. The court didn't give a reason for skipping a day, but Trump's lawyers had asked for his testimony to be delayed until Wednesday after the New Hampshire primary. A juror was also sent home yesterday over COVID concerns. In Massachusetts,
0: the State Ballot Law Commission dismissed a challenge against Trump's candidacy yesterday. The panel rejected the case on procedural grounds. It said the commission does not have jurisdiction to address the matter.
1: Out west. Flash floods swamped streets and homes in San Diego yesterday after more than a month's worth of rainfall fell in just a few hours. The National Weather Service said Monday was the wettest January day on record in San Diego. Mayor Todd Gloria declared a state of emergency.
0: Video shows various vehicles swept away by floodwaters and streams overflowing, causing road closures. Several schools were closed as a precautionary
1: measure. The flooding affected about 100 homes. The naval base in San Diego was also flooded. Staff were instructed to take shelter in place. The storm was caused
0: by an atmospheric river, a phenomenon that brings significant rainfall. It brought San Diego's total season to date precipitation to almost five inches, which is slightly above normal. And the Federal Trade Commission ruled against TurboTax yesterday. The agency found parent company Intuit deceived customers by advertising its tax services as free. The problem is those tax services end up not being free for many users, like those who must file 1099 forms. The FTC ordered Intuit to either stop advertising as free or make its services free for all customers. It's a final opinion on a decision first issued in September. Intuit blasted the appeals process, saying the commission serves as accuser, judge, and jury. This decision comes after Intuit settled a lawsuit and was set to issue checks to some 4.4 million people last May.
1: Apple is working to protect personal data stored on your iPhone. The company announced a major security update yesterday that's now available for download. The feature, called Stolen Device Protection, adds an extra layer of security by creating additional steps to access information. You'll be asked to use face or fingerprint scanning to access data or make changes.
0: And for more sensitive actions, like changing an Apple ID password or turning off the stolen device protection yourself, you'll have to scan your face or fingerprint, wait through an hour-long security delay, then rescan your face or fingerprint.
1: You must have two-factor authentication and find my enabled to use the feature. It's only activated when you are away from a familiar location like work or home. The former heads of the National Rifle Association, Oliver North and Wayne Lapierre, arrived at New York State Supreme Court for their corruption trial today. New York Attorney General Letitia James sued the NRA and LaPierre in August 2020. Accusing the group of diverting millions of dollars to fund luxuries for top officials. She said they violated state laws governing nonprofits.
0: Uh, Pierre ran the NRA for decades before suddenly resigning earlier this month.
1: The organization denies the allegations and accuses James of targeting it for political purposes. They also claim she's violating the First Amendment by trying to silence its speech.
0: Coming up, a major earthquake struck parts of western China yesterday. Three people are dead and several more were injured. We have an update on the situation.
1: The Chinese regime is reportedly lobbying diplomats at the United Nations to praise their human rights record. The revelation comes just a day ahead of a key UN meeting examining Beijing's track record. We'll have those details for you when we return.
0: A show of support for Taiwan's democracy. A delegation of U.S. business executives meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen today.
1: The trip comes after Taiwan's critical presidential election. The island elected William Lai, a staunch defender of the island's self-governing status. He'll take office in May.
4: Their election represents the will of the people uh, and voted for continuity in terms of Taiwan's strong relations with the United States.
1: The U.S. delegation is set to meet with Taiwan officials and industry leaders to discuss trade, investment and technological cooperation.
0: A 7.1 magnitude earthquake hit western China today. Three people have died so far and five were injured, according to China's state-run media. This video shows residents waking up from the tremble and rushing out to escape. Plus, commuters running for the train's exit stations.
1: More than 12,000 people were evacuated from affected areas.
0: And the death toll from a massive landslide in China has risen to 25. The landslide hit villages in the southwest of the country Monday. So far, 19 residents are still unaccounted for.
1: Another two were hospitalized for injuries.
0: The landslide happened in the early morning in Yunnan province amid freezing temperatures. It's still unclear what triggered the landslide.
1: A group of diplomats say that the Chinese regime has been lobbying other countries to praise its human rights record. That's according to an exclusive report from Reuters. The revelations came ahead of a key United Nations meeting taking place today, where China will face questions and criticism over its actions in Hong Kong and Xinjiang.
0: According to the diplomats, China's mission at the UN in Geneva had been sending memos to envoys from other countries.
1: A note seen by Reuters reads, I would kindly request your delegation to render valuable support to China and make constructive recommendations in the interactive dialogue, taking into account the friendly relations and cooperation between our two countries.
0: The Chinese envoy reportedly targeted non-Western countries. An African diplomat speaking on condition of anonymity confirmed having received a request and said he would do as asked.
1: Today China is in the hot seat as the UN Human Rights Council holds its Universal Periodic Review, which all member states must undergo every five years. The agency will publish a list of recommendations later in the week and a report is due in June or July.
0: And soon, buses in the Australian state of Queensland will have Chinese-made CCTV cameras on them. The state government's move has raised security concerns. Chinese tech company Hikvision has formed a contract with the Australian government to supply surveillance cameras to 200 rail replacement buses.
1: The Queensland Transport Minister told media that as long as the company complies with Australian law, there is no issue at this stage. But, said he would ask his agency to keep a close eye on the situation. But
0: others have concerns that the cameras could give the Chinese regime access to sensitive data. That's because Hikvision is closely linked with the regime and its military.
1: In February 2023, the Australian government ordered the removal of Hikvision's internet-enabled cameras from federal government offices. They cited national security concerns.
0: And in more China news, a Chinese music student at Berkeley
1: is on trial. That's for allegedly threatening to chop off a pro-democracy activist's hands. That and more tonight at 9.30, only on Entities China in Focus with Tiffany Meyer.
0: And in Europe, we have more short headlines from the UK and other countries. Britain's foreign minister today said the country will continue to break down Houthi military capabilities in Yemen. His remarks had come just a day after the U.S. and U.K. carried out another round of strikes against the terrorist group.
1: The Houthis control the most populous parts of Yemen. They've claimed that their attacks against Red Sea shipping are in opposition to Israel's activity in Gaza.
11: What the Houthis are doing is unacceptable, it's illegal, and it's threatening the freedom of navigation. That's why we've taken the action. Alongside that action is a whole set of measures we'll be taking, including sanctions and other pressure to put on the Houthis, combined, of course, with the action the Royal Navy is taking with others in the Red Sea.
0: The CIA is trying to persuade Russian intelligence employees to switch sides.
1: It released a Russian-language video on YouTube and Twitter aimed at recruiting double agents for Washington. The agency's directors said in July that disaffection among some Russians over the war in Ukraine was creating a rare opportunity to recruit spies. Meanwhile, the war between Russia and Ukraine rages on.
0: Ukrainian officials say Russia launched missile attacks across Ukraine today including on the capital of Kyiv.
1: The attacks reportedly killed at least five people and wounded dozens others. Officials also say that several buildings across the country were hit. Some of the damage occurred next to the United Nations office in Kyiv, according to a staff member there.
0: NATO today signing a billion dollar contract for artillery rounds. This comes after complaints from Ukraine saying a shortage of ammunitions was hampering its war efforts.
1: NATO struck the deal on behalf of several allies. Those individual countries will either pass on the shells to Ukraine or use them to stock up their own depleted inventories.
0: The contract will likely buy over 200,000 rounds of artillery ammunition. The first deliveries are expected at the end of 2025.
9: Russia's war in Ukraine has become a battle for ammunition. So it is important that allies refill their own stocks, as we continue to support ukraine
0: and lastly turkey's parliament is expected to approve sweden's nato membership bid today this would clear the biggest remaining hurdle to expanding the alliance after 20 months of delays once turkey's parliament ratifies the move the country's president would be expected to sign it into law within days
1: this then leaves hungary as the only member state not to have approved sweden's accession Hungary Prime Minister today invited his Swedish counterpart to visit for negotiations. Coming up, Denmark builds the world's
0: longest immersed tunnel. The project reaches a critical stage to connect the Scandinavian country to the European mainland. We'll return with that and more.
1: A World War II drama based on the courageous story of the U.S. 100th bomb group, Masters of the Air, premieres in London. We'll have more for you shortly here on NTD News Today.
0: construction of the world's longest immersed tunnel is underway. Now the project is at a critical stage. and NTD's Andrew Thomas has the latest on the tunnel from Denmark to the European mainland.
12: In this snow-covered corner of southern Denmark, the main route to mainland Europe is a 45-minute ferry ride. But in a few more years, there will be a shortcut. A 10-mile underwater tunnel train will reduce travel time to just seven minutes. By car, it will take only 10 minutes.
9: We have made a lot of assessment, and we have found out the best solution of connecting Denmark and Germany is to make a submerged tunnel. The way that we are doing this is that we are digging a trench between Denmark and Germany. Then we are prefabricating some huge tunnel elements, planners decided a
12: bridge would be too exposed to winds and weather. And the seabed isn't suitable for a traditional bored tunnel. So planners settled on an immersed tunnel.
9: What we are doing in this hall is that we are making the tunnel elements where the cars can drive inside, the the trains can drive inside. So we are making a huge, huge concrete element that we will later sail out to the correct position in the middle of the, the belt.
12: Construction for the $8 billion Femmarn Belt tunnel began in 2020. Workers recently reached a critical stage in the construction process. They laid concrete that will eventually become the tunnel's Danish entrance.
9: We need this link between Denmark and Germany to build a better infrastructural project between all of Europe. And it will also make a shortcut, a corridor that will allow more uh, energy-efficient green traffic.
12: But the new tunnel could also increase traffic.
9: And this will then make the
11: Fairwind connection the gateway between Scandinavia and the European mainland. So there will be a lot of traffic, a lot of transport, and that usually brings a lot of activities also
12: afterwards. The tunnel is expected to be completed in 2029. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And in Sydney, Australia, tiny urban parks provide much-needed green space amid the busy city life.
1: They're called pocket parks, and the calm environment is designed to offer refuge and foster mental well-being.
0: NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on these small sanctuaries.
12: At first glance, these tiny parks seem out of place in Sydney's urban landscape, but the new spaces are changing the atmosphere on the city streets.
7: There's lots of things that you can't do on a footpath, like a playground or a more formal kind of hangout area. Um, So that's where these new pocket parks that can be inserted within an existing street by closing it to cars, essentially.
12: The city says there are approximately 400 parks of various sizes. Sometimes it can be hard for residents to find a space to relax, have fun and socialize outdoors. Pocket parks offer a solution.
7: Essentially, the real value of pocket parks is that because they're small, they can be distributed um, across an area of the city to give a public space um, to much greater proximity to to many more people.
12: The tiny parks are usually less than a few hundred square feet. Most have shady trees, benches, and plants. Locals love them. Less traffic coming through here, more pedestrian uh, uh, room for, for people and uh, especially the elderly, you know, that live around here. And uh, no, it's serene. Pocket parks are easily accessible for residents. The Tudor Street Reserve Park is locally focused. Further down the main street is an even tinier space. It's all about keeping local communities in mind when constructing a park.
3: It is
1: important to tailor those parks to context. It is important to respond to the community who live there. If you're building in a community where there's lots of young families, of course you're going to make that pocket park a playground. If you're building for an elderly community, you might make the space a bit quiet.
12: You don't have to be outside the city to enjoy the outdoors. Just walk around the block and you might be surprised. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And there was an
1: air of excitement at the premiere of Masters of the Air in London on Monday. Some of Hollywood's top young talent are part of the highly anticipated World War II TV series.
0: The Apple TV Plus show is based on historian Donald L. Miller's 2006 book of the same name. It follows the U.S. Army Air Force's 100th Bomb Group and their risky raids over Nazi Germany.
1: Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks produced the show. Its stellar ensemble cast includes actors Austin Butler, Callum Turner, Barry Keegan, and Shuti Gatwa and Raph Law.
0: Butler says Major Gail Buck-Cleaven, who alongside his best friend Major John Bucky Egan, leads the units of young men on their perilous missions.
8: It's it's such a privilege and an honor, and and, uh, I felt a lot of responsibility bringing this to life. They're they're the the true heroes, um, and and their bravery is second to none, so I I felt very honored to
0: get to bring those stories to life. Apple has reportedly invested over $250 million into Masters of the Air.
1: The miniseries will have nine episodes. The first two episodes debut globally on January 26th. After that, new episodes will be released every Friday until March fifteenth.
0: And make sure you don't miss our special coverage of the New Hampshire primary coming up tonight.
1: Join entities Steve Lance and Tiffany Meyer for another exciting election night on The Nation Decides 2024. We have exclusive on-the-ground access and special guests. Watch the action live tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's all for today's news. Thank you for tuning in.
0: Feel free to reach out to us with news tips or feedback at news.today at ntd.com.
1: We'll be back with more stories tomorrow.